Welcome to the Interviews Podcast. Welcome, Interisti, to episode 50, the big 5-0 of Interviews Pod. We are here for the post-match reaction of Atalanta Inter at the Goes Stadium, which finishes 2-1 to Inter. Goals from Hakan Chalanoglu in the 40th off of a penalty. Lautaro Martinez with a great goal in the 57th minute. And uh, Gianluca Scamacca gets fifth of the season in the 61st minute. As always, I am one half of your co-hosting duo, Alessandro Rafa, here joined by Johnny Paterno. Johnny, before I uh, kick it over to you to uh, introduce our special guest for today's episode, I just want to give a big shout out to everyone that's listened to us along the way. Um, 50 episodes is, you know, it's it's an achievement. We... Um, we're really, we really enjoy putting out this podcast and putting out this content, and um, we really appreciate everyone that's that's come along for the ride. So thank you. Uh, here's to many, many more episodes of uh, of interviews. All right, Johnny, what do you got for us? Yeah, I mean, fifty episodes, definitely excited. Fifty episodes in eight months. That was actually uh, that's pretty impressive too. Uh, actually, yeah, eight months. Um, we did want to do like t-shirts to like maybe give away, but somebody told us, Hey, why don't you wait till a hundred? So I guess uh, they didn't think we'd even make it this far. Uh, but um, yeah, no, definitely, uh, definitely excited to, to be doing this content, obviously with you Alessandro and, and being able to share it with uh, the intern and even Serie A community. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening. But we do have a special guest, unfortunately for his sake, it's a, it's an Atalanta fan, uh, but we brought on uh, Dan from the Atalanta pod. Uh, wanted to get his opinion on the match, but thank you, Dan, for taking the time and, and, and joining us on, on episode fifty. So, no, thank you for inviting me, and congratulations, fifties. Fifty episodes in eight months is no small feat. As a fellow podcaster, one of the things I always say to my listeners when sometimes there's gaps in what we do is I say, "Hey, we don't get paid for this. Okay, we do this out of pure passion. We have lives outside of this, so that's no small feat." For you guys getting 50 and screw anybody who says you need to wait till 100 to get t-shirts you should have gotten t-shirts at 20 if you want to do whatever you guys want it's a big deal yeah we've got a we've got a few friends that could help out with the t-shirt game so hopefully we'll have something we um, yeah something for you guys soon um yeah i i have to say this has been at times one of my favorite wins of the year i'm talking about the game now not the 50th pod but this was one of my favorite <laughs> wins of the year um, and at times it was one of my least favorite wins of the year. But ultimately, I think we have to start with the context. Atalanta has been undefeated at home at the Guis since May of this year, right? Today is uh, November 4th. So it has been quite a while since a team has been able to come into the Guis and knock you guys off track. Um, and Inter was able to do so today. At times it was sloppy, at times it was undisciplined, but ultimately, we walk away with the three points, and we are we're still on top of the league. Johnny, I'll kick it over to you. Um, I know your heart was beating just as bad as mine was. How do you? What do you take away from this victory? Is it the sort of mature showing that we needed to put to put ahead, or did Atalanta expose some uh, some weaknesses that we've been worried about um, for a little bit of time here? Ooh, that's tough because I think it's a combination of the two. Really, you know, I think 
where in years past or even like the last couple of years since uh, Simone has been in charge, this may be a game where we would have dropped points or even not even be able to get ahead. You know, um, it's uh, Atalanta is no easy team to go up against. Gasperini obviously always has a vendetta against us, so he always wants to to be prepared, have the boys sharp. He could throw players in and out within the lineup. I mean, guys can show up that you don't expect to be performers. I mean, Alessandro, you know I've been a big fan of Coop Miners for a while. And, and, I mean, he's a guy that, again, I thought was not his best game, but at moments was able to dictate, you know, some things in the midfield. And, and I was uh, – I love watching him. Um, but we did see the maturity with the boys where even when we went up 2-0 and then they – you know, Atalanta's able to come back thanks to a hospital pass from, from Hakan, um, you know, they, they, they pounce on the opportunity, make it 2-1, and that would have probably been the start of the, here comes the second one. Like, the mentality would not have been there. We would have been sloppy in the back end, allowing guys to find pockets of space to be able to get in behind our defenders and be able to, to score a quick one. So it was definitely impressive the way they were able to kind of keep their composure. Sloppy still. Like, it wasn't like we had everything perfectly organized, but we – when we could have lost our head a few times, you know, Muriel had a, had a run that I thought would have been able to, um, I'm not, who was on the, Darmian, he might've, you know, commit, yeah. I thought he was going to commit a foul in the box there. Um, but was able to, to not fortunately commit a foul. And, and we just were able to keep control and, and get the points. And it also helps that Lautaro is in ridiculous form because where he took that shot from was insane. I, I wasn't sure if it would be able to go in far post that way, but he did score. Um, and man, I we we have to give a tip our hat to to the captain once again. Yeah, and um and Dan, let me ask you, what was your confidence level coming into this game, understanding how how much of a, a beast Atalanta has been at home, but also you're hosting the the league leaders looking for their fourth straight victory after the international break. What was your confidence level heading into this game? And also, was this Atalanta that showed up today the Atalanta that you thought was going to be on the pitch? Yeah, I mean, I think what illustrates the answer to the first question is I would have given my left arm for a boring nil-nil draw uh, for, for a couple of reasons. I mean, there's a reason why Inter is top of the table. Uh, you talk about depth of squad, the way that they play. You know, Johnny and I were going back and forth. Uh, chatting, and you know, I said last night I I watched the highlights of when Atalanta last beat Inter four one at home in the Gavis in like twenty seventeen, and you know, he said, "Well, sorry, you had to go far so back to to, to gain any joy." And this is the truth. Um, whatever it is that we've done this year, and the changes that we've made defensively for us to be so stout at home, um, yeah, we the way that we've play that we play is is quite different. Um, you know, the, last year was a transition year, and you can see we're a lot more balanced. Um, so I I would have taken a point any day. It might be kind of useless at this point because Inter, really, to be honest with you, isn't one of the people that we're fighting for Europe with at this point. Uh, I think that they are certainly the favorites, and they have the best squad in Serie A, and they showed that today. I was pleased with the way that Atalanta came out in the first half hour. Um, really dominated possession, had a lot of chances. But listen, people who are fans of Inter, Juve, Milan, big clubs, talk a little bit about their banter eras. Uh, Atalanta has had a banter era technically for about a century. Uh, you know, so it's like, we, we, I know my club and I know how, how we work. And I know the opposition in this case quite well being Inter. And you could always see 
whatever was happening in that first half, that it was just going to be about us not making mistakes. Because when Inter made mistakes, they had six players behind the ball. When Atalanta made mistakes, uh, you know, Inter got behind. You know, and then, you know, Musso making a mistake coming out for that. I was shocked that he came out uh, for that. There's that penalty, um, you know, and then and then just the second half came out and Inter was on the front foot. You look at the number of touches Lautaro got in the first five minutes of the second half, probably about as many touches as he got in the first 45 minutes. So you knew that it was going, it was coming. It was absolutely coming. But, you know, when you support a club like Atalanta, um, and yeah, this is the best years that we've had under Gasparini. You're used to saying stuff like, well, I'm proud of the way we played. And I am proud of the way we played. But Inter is Inter. And you guys made mistakes. We capitalized on it once. We made more mistakes. You won. And you had a worldly from, uh, from Lautaro, who is arguably, maybe not arguably, the best player in Serie A at the moment. Yeah, I also, like, I started off the pod by saying this was one of my favorite wins of the year. And I think part of the reason why that is is because this was such a, a trap game for us, right? It's like Atalanta's been so good at home. That's one thing. But the other thing is that the Gavis in these conditions, it suits Atalanta. Like they, you know, this is a physical team that wants to play fast. The ball is skipping across that, you know, that pitch. And uh, it was a game that suited Atalanta. And we we would need to be at our best in order to take a result. And that's that's why... Even though we weren't at our best, getting home with the three points is um it feels big. It feels it feels really big. Um so I'm happy with what we saw today. Let's talk a little bit about this game. So in the first half, there were a couple a couple big moments. I think it's fair to say that Atalanta had some of the better opportunities. Um, specifically that ball that fell to Ruggeri in the box that he just slashed wide. Coop Miners almost got on the end of it. Um but we have to talk about one of the biggest moments in the game and hopefully one that doesn't have a huge effect on Inter's season. Benjamin Pavard. Um, unsure exactly what happened, and it'll probably be tomorrow where we get a full, uh, you know, full test results, but it looked like he suffered a knee injury that, um, you know, the emergency, the medics were on the field with the stretcher. He ended up walking off on his own power um, and then sitting down on the sideline. But... Um, a scary moment. And uh, Johnny, I guess I'll ask you, Darmian was part of a back three that helped us get to the Champions League final. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying how devastating a Pavard injury would be for the team. If Pavard is out for an extended period of time, what are your, you know, what are your feelings there? Is there sort of a, uh, a change in what we should be targeting? Or, um, you know, is it just next man up and uh, we can survive the injury? Man, it's going to be tough, honestly. Um, I think Pavard, you can make a case for... And maybe I'd give the edge to DeVry only because he's played more games, but you can make a case that Pavard's been our best defender so far this season, which was not my expectation. Um, I thought that he'd be more influential in the attacking phase, not so much the defensive phase, but it's been really the other way around um, with him. So if he's out, although seeing him walk off the pitch at the end of the game, and although he had a brace on, um, is definitely a more comforting sign. You know, I, I, initially when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's either an ACL or an MCL. Like that's, that's what happens there. Um, thank goodness he was able to kind of like get all walk off the pitch and then, you know, he went back down. But 
Um, yeah, he would be a massive loss. I'm thinking it's just a ligament sprain at most. Maybe he's going to be out a couple weeks, you know, two, three, two, I'd say two to four weeks probably. Um, if it is just a sprain, and I hope that's the most it would be, which then, you know what, it's, it's a much more man- manageable in- injury. If it was a ligament tear or something, that, that's a massive loss. And then it's like, Darmian hasn't been the player he was last year. Hasn't been bad, but last year he was massive for us. Which, I mean, you could expect. He is getting, he's another year older. It's not like he's going to be at the top of his game. He also wasn't really always an everyday starter. or expected to be an everyday starter for us. So um, what he was able to do last year with the whole scraniar injury and everything was was huge. But then to to have to rely on him again, another year older, I wouldn't know if I would want to put that kind of pressure on him. But, I mean, we've seen him step up when we didn't think he would be able to handle it. So maybe he does the the same thing again. I mean, like I said, the guy's a Swiss Army knife for us. You know, he, he can you could plug him and play him almost anywhere on the right side, and, and he's able to be have an impact. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, like you said, I mean, I never wish injury on any player. So hopefully, you know, Pavard is just able to miss a, a few weeks at most. And, and uh, we're back to our fully operational battle station, you know, once again. Yeah, the um, the stretcher on the field makes you think structural damage. Um, but being able to walk off the field on his own power, and then if you looked at the brace, it looked bulky enough where there was obviously some icing under it. So that mm-hmm. led me to believe that if he's still on the bench, he's still hopping around celebrating, that likely it's more of a like a bone bruise or, you know, he took a shot to the knee or his knee just kind of, you know, got stuck in that, um, in that Gavis, you know, turf and, um, something structural didn't happen. So we don't know, we, you know, we, we don't want to speculate, but I do think that like for the Interisti that might think, you know, this is a devastating injury. Yeah. You know, he was our biggest signing. It was the biggest signing in Serie A this summer, um, from a monetary perspective, but uh, the you know the ambitions don't change. Darmian is a more than serviceable backup. Every team in the league has to deal with injuries, so we push forward and uh, and we move on. Shortly after that, Inter takes the lead in the first half. Hakan with his tenth straight penalty put away. Um, he's uh, he's on a roll from uh, from the spot right now, and I think Interisti are. Very happy to to not see Lautaro or anybody else walk up to that that spot. It's Hakan has made that for sure his own. Dan, I'll I'll kick this towards you, being that um you know Johnny and I are definitely going to be on the same page about whether or not that was a penalty. Uh, it seemed from the commentary at least that they were having a bit of a debate about it. For me, it was clear. What did you think of uh, Simona Souza going to to the spot there for the foul from Muso on Darmian? As it as it went live, um, you know, and you know, as an aside, like, you know, Benjamin Pavar's injury sucked, but that's really where the game turned for you. Seeing as that, then Darmian was the one who 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 slotted through there. So I was first shocked that Musso actually went out to get it. That was shocking for me that he went for that. He's not. It seemed like he made a split decision, and it always looked like a bad decision to me. Um, I think that this season. We've seen situations where the ball has been kicked away like that, and the goalkeeper still gets the the player's leg, and they've been calling it. Um, I'm not one to, unless it's really egregious, talk about that type of stuff. To me, it was uh, Musso putting himself in that situation, and everybody, every Atalantino has a love hate relationship with Juan Musso. He's been quite good this season, but uh, when you have somebody like Marco Carnesecchi on the bench. 
sometimes I think in that situation, maybe Karnaseki with his, uh, you know, freakishly long arms would have gotten to the ball. Uh, you never know. Um, but I am not going to be complaining right now in, in that situation. And, you know, as soon as, as soon as uh, Hakan goes up to the penalty spot, you know exactly where it's going and it's, nobody can get to it. So what are you going to do? We made a mistake. Johnny, uh, refereeing controversy or Hakan does his thing from the spot for, for a good reason. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think if it would have been the other way around and Sommer did that, I would expect the penalty to be called, to be honest. Like, that's the way, that's the way I, 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 try to look, I try to look at it objectively. Like, would I expect or want that, like, to be called fairly the other way? Yes. You know, so it's like, if I could see uh, a play and not just look at it as like, oh, I'm an Interista, like, that has to be a penalty. That's, that's kind of how I gauge it. And I saw it. He makes contact with him, doesn't make contact with the ball. I mean, he puts himself in a situation where he will be making contact with the the forward. Now, I under I understand what 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 Paganin was trying to say, where oh, he may not have been able to play the ball. That's not it. Doesn't matter by the rules. If 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 you're able to get a touch on it and get it around the goalkeeper and he takes you down, it's a penalty. Yeah. Whether whether it's playable or not, like yes, like that, that ball would have rolled out of bounds even if he did get past Musso. So, um. Yeah, just an unfortunate thing. You know, if the same thing happened to Summer, would I be I'd be more disappointed in my goalkeeper in that instance? Because yeah, you you know, if you don't if you maybe come out and pressure him and you you know stand your ground, maybe he just put runs it out of bounds or is unable to make a play, whatever. Um but to me it's a penalty. Uh and by the rule it's a penalty. So it's like it doesn't even matter if it's to me. It's you know, it's a clear penalty. And and I was listening yeah, to it I on mean, the Italian it, I was listening to it on the Italian commentary or whenever I watch Serie A games I do that. Um, and there was no, there was not, yeah, there was not any of that kind of, uh, that question from the Italian commentary. So I was surprised to see that there was questions, uh, on it, uh, you know, so interesting. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's also the aesthetic of it, right? Like he, he got enough of Darmian that he did a full front flip and, um, all, when you're watching it live, you're like, there, there's no question for you. And then, you know, they were having a discussion around touching it past, uh, past the keeper, whether he can get to it or not. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a foul in the box and it's a penalty to Inter. And that ends the um, the first half. So, Dan, I don't know how many episodes of interviews you've listened to, but we have had several conversations about Inter being slow starters this year, really sort of using that first half to feel out their opponent before things change in the second. More of the same today, and I have to say, that second 45 might have been my favorite 45 minutes of Serie A action this season. Talk about an absolute, like, drag him out, drop kick him, boxing fight of a, of a second half. Just both teams not only trading, like, chance for chance and, and end-to-end football, but it was also a very, very physical game. Um, and that's the kind, you know, rain is pouring. Like, you, <laughs> there was an edge of your seat kind of feeling um, as that second half was was wearing on. Um, so Inter goes ahead and and takes the the 2 nothing lead through an amazing, amazing strike by uh, Lautaro. Receives the ball um, at the edge of the box takes a cut in and um and rifles it into uh the top corner that's now Lauti's 12th goal in 11 Serie A games he's he's on pace for 
not only a record-breaking season from himself, but potentially record-breaking when you think about the league as a whole. Johnny, our captain has been there for us time in and, and time out. Um, what did you think of, of Lauti today and that goal, man? Talk to me. Dude, I mean, look, I may, I may have, uh, you know, tweeted some things last year in anger during his cold spell in, in, in the February to, to March months. But this guy, when it comes to being a, a pure striker, the thing that we were always missing or, or saying was missing was his ability to score goals, his finishing. Um, it's the one thing that I always wanted to work on. His touch has always been phenomenal in class. Like that's, you can't teach that. And you like, there's, there's, it's something that doesn't even show up on the stat sheet. So like you have to obviously watch week in and week out to recognize that. So coming into this season, what the, the narrative was, we would go as far as Lautaro would take us. Like we would need him to be scoring goals. If I'm not mistaken, Nima said 25 in the league. I yes. agreed with that. Like I thought, I thought 25 league goals would be enough to, to get us a title. And he's already halfway there and we're not even a third of the way into the season. So like that's that's massive. And a lot of these goals that he's been scoring have won us games. Not just like, you know, people refer to him as Serenitana man, but he does it against everybody. Really, and if you look at his stats, the most goals he scored against one team is is Milan. And that's what I would want him to be scoring would be the, the big games. So that that I'm glad he's kind of putting away that narrative that he only scores against the the Salernitanas, the Empolis, the Leche, whoever else you want to throw in there, he's able to do it on, on every level. And he is carrying us. He really is. Um, and I'm not, that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm not trying to say that nobody else is doing anything, but he, he's doing what a captain should be doing, is, is t- stepping up in the big moments and, and scoring huge goals for us. It helps that he has a, has a strike partner that actually plays very well with him and very well off his shoulder, you know, as opposed to last season where he had, you know, a fat guy who was a little lazy and a man who was barely, you know, barely alive. Well, no disrespect to Jekyll. I loved him. But, you know, we saw, again, same thing. Once we got to January, February, the guy was exhausted. We, we ran him into the ground. So um, to now have someone who can who can play with him, keep up with him, feed him good passes, you know, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Taram has assisted on seven of his 12 goals. That's huge. So, um, no, very happy with with his performance. That goal was massive. Obviously, it, it got us to win. So. And to have, he's been taking a lot more shots outside the box or on the edge of the box. And he's just, he's able to place it. His finishing has been, I don't know if spending time with Messi at the World Cup, you know, rubbed off on him or what, but his finishing has has improved leaps and bounds. I was going to say, you you start your week with uh, a name drop from Ballon d'Or winner Lionel Messi, uh, you know, in his speech, you're sitting there at the ceremony and then you end it with uh, a world-class strike into um, the top corner. Yeah. I mean, like Lauti's he's been a finisher for us. Like his finish, you're, you're right. Like there's been an inconsistency to his finishing, but I think, this year we're seeing him pull out these world-class goals and um, it's a new dimension to his game that, that I've been really enjoying. But nonetheless, uh, Inter takes a 2-0 lead over Atalanta, um, but Atalanta comes right back. I have a lot to say about this goal that uh, 
you know, we submitted here. But um, Dan, talk to me about how Atalanta got back into the game here and what you liked about about their play to sort of turn things around for a little bit and, and put the pressure back on Inter. Well, I, I think that the um, the clear best player for us on the pitch and has was Adam Lookman in that first half. Um, and I think that, you know, it, it started off with his hustle. And was there a foul committed? I don't know. It was it was a it was a pretty bad back pass. Um and Skamaka being in the right position. So as Lautaro Martinez is scoring a lot of goals and carrying Inter, I, I strongly feel like Adamola Lookman, even though he's not scoring the goals, is carrying Atalanta a little bit right now. I think he should he's like the first person in the starting 11 uh, in that first half he was finding a lot of space turning Mkhitaryan leaving him for the dust so much went through Adamola Lukman and Inter was just so dominant at the beginning of, of, of that second half you could tell Lukman had um, Gasparini does this thing where he switches people around so Lukman went yeah. to the right and Cup Miners went to the left and that's where Lukman was so I think what ended up happening is this was Number one, Adam Ola Lookman decided, come on, boys, let's let's do this. We get a goal, and that changes everything. Um, we're back in it. Gasparini makes uh, what I think is a great substitution to go to fourth and back, takes out Kolasinac, who had a yellow card. We add Pasalic. And this is something that I've said for a long time about Atalanta, is that when we play Inter, and even when we play Lazio, teams that have solid three midfielders in there, we need to match them. Um, and playing 4-3-3 I think was good at this point because it allowed us to have that extra body. And I thought Pasolic did a pretty good job off the bench there. And that's why we came back into this game was because we were able to nullify a little bit uh, of the dominance of Interisti midfielders in the second half with having an extra body there. It was interesting that Pasolic was dropping deep and Cup Miners was going forward, though. So I thought that was really, really interesting. I would have thought it was going to be the other way around. But Cup Miners essentially was playing uh, left attacking forward, you know, in, in a 4-3-3. Um, I think we just had the belief after that, and we had the right choices for Gasparini. Um, I think, unfortunately, Hatibor coming in for Zapacosta, who was probably gassed, really made it difficult for us. He had, he had a lot of chances. But it was really about Lookman starting it off, and then Gasparini making the right tactical change um, to, to balance out what was happening in that second half. Yeah, my my favorite tactical wrinkle that Atalanta brings to the table is how deep Lookman and Coop Miners come to collect the ball and allow Ruggeri and Zapacosta to really step up the pitch. And then all of a sudden you have a midfield of uh, Ederson, Deron, Coop Miners, and Lookman progressing the ball through the lines. Um, and I thought Inter struggled with that a little bit today. As far as the goal is concerned, um, there is no way that Di Marco gets fouled there, in my opinion. that's It's not a foul. That is football contact, and Fede needs to be better there. He just needs to be better. Like, it's not... I, I'm... I've really come to the the point in my frustration with DiMarco where I really want to see Augusto starting um for a little bit of time because there is a there is a palpable dip in form. Again, he controlled Aslani's great ball to him in the last uh last game and later off to Turam, wonderful. But against a team like Atalanta that has some fire firepower at the back, 
um, defensively, you need to be on your game. And there's just no way as a professional that you can give the ball away um, or try to look for a foul there and just just look so weak um, in the box like that. Skamaka, for me, is you know one of the better players in Serie A when he's on his day. So it's no surprise that um, he was able to uh, to put that ball away. But I'm really, really, really disappointed in Di Marco. And uh, yeah, I think Carlos is a much better defender and I would like to see him in there a little bit, especially when we're playing um, teams that know what they're doing when it comes to creating opportunities around the box. Johnny, do you echo that sentiment on Fede or am I being a little bit too harsh on him? No, yeah, I said it. I mean, look, I said it last uh, last week with him. Um, outside of the assist that he had on Taram, it was a disappointing performance. He's been disappointing defensively. I, I don't understand, you know, what what the dip in form is. It don't like I said last last week too. It it almost feels like he's complacent. He knows that the spot is his. That uh, Augusto is not being trusted with a starting role, and that he doesn't have to worry about fighting for his position anymore. So, I mean, I think I hope that Inzaghi starts to recognize it. That maybe he you know needs to be sat down for a little bit to kind of be shown like. Hey, this is this position is not promised to you. You have to to come in week in and week out and perform to be able to to stay in this role. Otherwise, you know, we'll find someone who's going to <laughs> going to play ahead of you. Um. So yeah, it's a it's a bit of a. I think it's a bit of a wake up call, and hopefully, uh, we're able to you know to to kind of have uh, Simone recognize it and give Augusto, who has been a great great perform every time he comes off the bench, he's been he's been great. So. He's just that, also um, like he's, he's not a he's not a player that you can ever imagine like falling down in that spot, right? Like he's gonna fight you. No, to he's the very gonna, yeah, he's gonna like, have to be taken down. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I think that part that's all I could think about when Feather went down. Like you're that that did not look good on your part. Like you just did did not look good defensively. Um, so Atalanta, you know, they come back into the game at this point. For the rest of the game, we're really trading trading shots um and Johnny your boy coming through again I mean after Atalanta's goal uh to make it 2-1 arguably the man of the match from that point on was was Jan Sommer a great saves and not only the quality of the saves but the quality of the um know-how to save it in a manner where it's not directly spilling into the foxes in the box that were in the goal and Dan's Dan's turning his head back. Like there were opportunities where another goalkeeper might've spilled it into the path of, uh, of an onrushing uh, Atalanta player, but Somer brilliant to end that game. And, and by another goalkeeper, you're talking about Samir Handanovic, right? Because he would have put Always. that right at, you know, Skamaka or Lukman's foot to just be able to pop in the rebound. But yeah, Somer was again, I mean, <sighs> I can't say enough good things about this guy. I, I, the fact that we got him for six million euros—that's a steal, man. That is an absolute steal. And and although you you can you know some people may want to point blame on him on the on the goal, I don't. Um, and it's not because I'm giving a break, but it's because Hakan basically assisted the goal. You know, like you you don't expect your own team to put you in that type of situation. Now, would it have been massive if he made that save? Sure, but. Um, he made every other save that he had to make to keep it 2-1, so I'm, I'm thrilled with his performance. The guy, 
the one thing I preached last year with Onana that I loved was his rebound control because Onana was able to steer balls in or keep them close or when they were shot at him, his hands were strong enough to hold it and not have it, you know, bounce around the 18. Sommer is able to do the same thing. And especially in a rainy pitch, it makes it a little bit harder to be able to get that grip or able to be able to stop it the way you are to, to kind of keep it close to you where you can recover and, and pounce on the ball. Um, that was really impressive as well. Um, and I'm just, I'm just thrilled. Like, yeah, that one shot, I forgot. I think it was, I think it was Hatebor or somebody on the edge of the box who fired in a shot. Um, and it went off his hands and it bounced around, not bounced around, but he was able to like keep it close enough to him where he was able to stop Skamaka from getting the rebound. I mean, that's huge in that, in that instance. And, um, yeah, I'm just thrilled that we have him and that we don't have, you know, we don't have to go into the season with somebody like, uh, I can't even think of a goalkeeper bad, bad enough, you know, Terracciano maybe, <laughs> who would be an absolute disaster in net for us or something. So yeah, huge, huge signing, especially at the cost. And I'm, I'm again, I, I would say between him and Lauti, you can give one of them the man of the match and I'd be okay with it. Yeah, and the the distribution was also really good as well. Like he timed his distribution well so that he waited until he was getting pressed, take a little bit more time off the clock and then either pick up the ball or or get rid of it. Um Dan, <clears throat> Toloy's red card, avoidable or unnecessary play to make at that point where even though you are putting your team down a man, you stay within you prevent a breakaway that potentially puts the game out of out of uh out of reach smart foul from Toloi or uh, a mistake that ultimately costs you guys i think it's a smart foul but you know i'm annoyed because i think there's coverage from jim city there so that's going to be a yellow all day but he gets mad about not getting a corner kick on the other side of the pitch and gets his first yellow a few minutes earlier so to me that that's frustrating uh, i think he has to make that foul um because in in, in injury time you're 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 down two one. Even with ten men, you got you still got more of a shot. And you know he is the captain of this team. Of course, he didn't start, so Darun was wearing the captain's armband. I think that um, at that point you do that. Um, unfortunately, he he was already on a yellow, and it's a red card. We still had we still had a couple of small chances af- after the fact. So I think from from an Atalanta perspective. Uh, you know, we love him. He's, he's our captain. He, he's getting up there in age. Uh, nobody loves Deloy other than Atalantini, especially people who are a fan of the Azzurri. He gets a lot of abuse for, for what he does there. I don't think people understand what Deloy brings to the table. You have to be people like us who watch him day in and day out. I don't, I don't blame their ire uh, against Deloy and, and severely underrating him. Um, but, you know, the good news is, you know, him, he's going to be suspended, but he doesn't start anymore. Um, you know, Scalvini got a yellow card. Honestly, cards, if you want to talk about one thing about the referee, and I, I think that in that first half, of course, Atalanta plays very physical. Uh, th- there was there was a couple of things that I want to say that uh, it was a little inconsistent with the way that cards were given and the way that certain things were, were called. Um, and I think ultimately that kind of, as the game progressed, with Darun on a card, um, with Scalvini on a card, and of course, ultimately with Toloi and Kolasinac on a card, it changed a little bit of the dynamic of the game. Uh, we have we we rough we rough other teams up. That's how that's how we go. Whether or not that's going to be a yellow card, I don't know. Um, so I, I think that actually cards were one thing that kind of changed the face of this match for for a little bit. But you know, 
I, I think as the game went on, it got a little bit more consistent from uh, Sotza, I think, uh, was, was the referee. Uh, but yeah, if I'm Rafa, I'm, I'm doing that all day. I just feel like an idiot because I got a yellow card for dissent a few minutes earlier. Yeah, the the refereeing inconsistency is, is an interesting thing because obviously, like, we're on, you know, either side of it and um, our biases are definitely going to come through. But, you know, when I think about the referee, I think about uh, a basketball elbow from Deron into Barella's face, like, right into his jaw. I think of Barella getting, you know, Jim City stepping on Barella's head. So, uh, Atalanta received more yellow cards than Inter today, but I think it's fair to say that they also earned earned some of those for sure because they are very physical. They are very physical, right? And if you're not necessarily, if you either don't have the personnel to match that physicality or you don't really need to because getting fouled is playing into your hands a little bit, right? Like you can you can fall on the floor. Yeah, it, it worked out in our favor. Um uh, but you're not wrong there. I mean, <clears throat> from the perspective of who had more cards, who d- got disciplined more, Atalanta was disciplined more. But I thought, you know, there were also some some rougher instances there. Um, Johnny, heartbeat going fast when that ball comes into the back post. I think Muriel dumps it in for, I think, Hatabor, who just Hatabor. Com- yeah. completely misplays it. At that point, what's going on in your mind? I know Acerbi is throwing his hands up, like freaking out that we weren't as defensively solid as we needed to be. Um, I think, you know, it's it was an interesting sub from Inzaghi to put on Aslani and Alexis in a physical match where we need to see the game out because that is decidedly not attributes that those two employ. Um, and it almost bit us in the ass there because uh, Atalanta came very close to to tying that game. Yeah, that was uh, I, I scratched my head a little at those substitutions, and of course with that that ball to Hatibor, one I thought that he would actually try to put it back across the face of goal, um, to try to find somebody. I mean, you can see on the replay he did have options, so thank goodness he didn't do that. Um, but yeah, I mean to to let a guy get open on the back post like that that's that's not ideal, especially given the circumstances, especially given our history where you know we just tend to sometimes drop points and, and, and they play. I mean, look what we did against Bologna, right? So um, it was, uh, yeah, definitely had my, my heart in my mouth or whatever the phrase is. I think it's hard in your mouth um, in that instance because I was worried that they, oh, there goes the equalizer. Um, but fortunately, you know, Hadebor puts it wide. Um, I'm able to, we're able to gain our composure in that, that instance and are able to, to kind of see it out through the end there. I think that was really the last dangerous chance that they had. So fortunately we were, uh, you know, able to hang on to the two, one win for sure. Yeah. Um, and a big two, one victory. It is, uh, Inter is top of the table still, uh, on 28 points after 11 games, games played on uh plus 21 goal differential. So things continuing to go well for Inter after the international break, RB Salzburg in the Champions League and a way trip to Austria coming up next. Expecting some rotation there for sure. Um, a couple things that we typically do, Dan, like we we usually give out ratings or discuss every single player in the team. I think, you know, having you on here today, um, we'll do something a little bit different. Why don't we talk about one player from your team who um, did not put in a shift that you expected and one player who you thought 
um, really carried the team through through today's game. Oof. All right, the not putting in a shift is a little harder. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the one who 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 really did well, and I talked about him, and that was Adam Mola Lookman. Um, I think that he dragged us back into the game. He was the one who was creating all the difficulties for Inter in the first half. I think he's the most one of the most underrated players in Serie A right now, and even you know slightly underrated among Atalanta fans. I think um, in my podcast um, this past week, I, I said that I think he's the most important attacker that we have. If I'm giving him a classic rating, I'm I'm giving Mola a seven and a half in the in this match. So um, I think he definitely was was the guy for us, even even though we lost. I mean, the goal was made by him. Um, essentially, Serge Kamaka had to put it away, but uh, he, he made the chance for us. As far as not putting in a shift, oh, that's really, that's really, really difficult. I think, um, you know, I, I never want to say anything bad about about Martin Darun, Um because Martin Darun is the nicest person on the planet. We all know how great he is on social media. Um, but I think... He made a bad decision in the first half. The way he got that yellow card, I believe it was on that sliding tackle um, on, was it Dumfries, um, that came out. He had coverage uh, behind him, um, and he had Cook Miners and I think somebody else behind him to cover. And so I think that that was a poor choice. He gets a yellow, um, whether it's a soft yellow or real, whatever whatever it was, right? I mean, he's lucky that that, that elbow that you talked about, Alessandro, wasn't seen. Obviously, I think it was it was an accident, but it's still it's still a foul. So he got really, and I think that hampered him for the rest of the game because when you are are marking uh, somebody like Barella, yeah, you need to be able to, to to rough him up a little bit. Barella's like a like a little like a little pit bull. Yeah, you know he's he's going to go for it, but you need to get under his skin, right? And um, you know I, I think that Martin hampered himself. And I think that's why the game changed a little bit. He had you could see in the second half where he normally would get stuck in. He had to he had to step out, and that gave time for Inter on the ball to get that second goal. So I'm gonna give. I was gonna say Ederson, but uh, because of how that second goal happened, but I think he made up for it uh, with the way that he marked Shalhanoglu most of the game. I mean, Hakan basically scored the penalty, and I think uh, Ederson took him out of the game for for most of it. Yeah, Barella looking like uh, Johnny Lawrence from uh, Karate Kid to end that game. End that game with the the headband on. Um, all right, Johnny, give me a uh, a bidone and uh, a baggio to steal from Italian football podcast. Yeah, for I mean, I guess for the bidone, I'd have to go. <clears throat> it's clearly go one with, of with, two with. players. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's what I'm torn between. But I'm gonna go with Di Marco. I just think that it was another subpar performance. It's kind of been like three in a row that have been really subpar. Um, and just like we, you know, you and I have talked about with Dumfries, where people get mad that we they think we're too critical on Dumfries. It doesn't matter if you get an assist to me on on a goal. Like, how did you play the entire match? Like, yeah, one moment of brilliance does not erase ninety minutes of terrible play. So. Um, you know, as soon as Di Marco goes off, you see Augusto is able to control the left side, not really be beaten. He he's he's getting in front of the man. And, and the thing that was frustrating me again in the first half specifically was how much space Di Marco was allowing 
everyone to be able to run up to him. Like he, it's almost like he's afraid to mark his man and get in front of him and, and press him. He gives him about eight, not maybe seven or eight yards of space to be able to cross the ball or find a man to pass. It's just, it's, it's exhausting. And, and how he's not coached up or, or told to change his, his style of play is mind boggling, but it is what it is. Um, so he would be the bidone for me. And then for man of the match, I, I got to go with Lauti because of the goal. You know, I mean, you can give it, you can give it to, to summer if you wanted to, but I think Lautaro was just his typical self, man. And, and again, getting us the big goal to get us the three points. And these are the types of games where if you drop points, they can come to bite you in the butt come the end of the season. And to be able to get three points again, now it's like pressure on Juve and Milan to be able to get their three points. That's what we want. We want to keep a gap between us and them for to be able to hopefully you know get that second star, which at the end of the day was... The goal for Inzaghi, and I know for, for Interisti everywhere, that's that's the goal. We want to see that second star in the kit next year. So, yeah, I think that was uh, that was huge to get that goal to give us the three points. Yeah, I, um, you know, last point on Di Marco is that some of these uh, dominant performances from Inter where, you know, we're basically in the opponent's half for the entirety of the game and he has two assists and, you know, several shots on goal. Um he doesn't get exposed defensively in those games, but in these games recently that we haven't liked from him, it's been clear that there's a major gap between his ability on the ball versus his ability off the ball. Um, and it's time to see Augusto. My bidone, I'll give it to uh, Mikitarian. The stat sheet will show that he had an assist today. He was not good today. Way too many giveaways in crucial positions. I you know, he scores two goals against Milan in the Derby. I can't remember the last time he put a shot on goal. Um, just <laughs> just not good. And Fratesi didn't come into the game necessarily any better. He had a, a couple giveaways too. So I think yeah. Barella is, is playing better for me. Um, but it's not going to make a difference if, you know, Mikita, the, the other Metzala is not going to be showing up. And for me, I I'm the frustration, I usually, like, I don't jump down um anybody's uh anybody's throat here but i'm at a very palpable um feeling with mikitarian and dimarco and like something needs to change with their performances because consistently they have been the two that aren't bringing the heat mvp i'm giving it to somer um i'm giving it to somer i think he's uh he was perfect today and i also think like he's just been perfect for us like you know, Onana brought a lot to the table in terms of stuff that we weren't used to seeing from an Inter goalkeeper, especially after having Andanovic for so long. But, you know, those the feeling that you got from early Andanovic at Inter, where it was just a really good, solid keeper that can make all the saves that you didn't worry about, like, you know, you did worry about. I'm starting to get that feeling with Somer. I mean, he's just, he's just a good-ass goalkeeper. He just plays the position really really well um and i you know he kept us in the game today so very happy uh very happy for him um two updates for you guys uh inzaghi is out of his post-match press conference uh first off arnatovic he's back for salzburg he will be called up for the next game so obviously he doesn't have the minutes to uh probably do anything more than 10 to 15 to end the game um but good to have you know another player back uh back in the ranks after you know leaning on Alexis and uh, Lautaro and Turam for so long. 
Uh, second thing, Pavard's kneecap popped out. Um, that is the injury that he suffered. Inter trainers were able to get it back in. Um, I don't know much about that injury from, from a medical yeah. perspective. Uh... Um, it sounds, I mean, it's obviously better than, than a ligament damage, right? Um, but it also does sound that he won't be playing uh, against Salzburg, which is probably for the best. Let him rest that knee up. Um, but that is the injury that he suffered. Um, just, so. a, just a quick Google check. Uh, typically, a dislocated kneecap would take anywhere from four to six weeks to recover from. So, Okay. Um, all right. So roughly the same amount of time we were out. We were without Arnautovic as well. Um, so... These are I the can, sort I can of... live with that as opposed to a ligament. So, yeah, it, it, it makes sense that that's what it was. Then if you saw Skamaka's face as it as it happened, yeah, he gave that like, oh, this is disgusting kind of look. So, if you've ever seen a a patella out of spot, it's 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 kind of it's kind of off putting. So that, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Jarring, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little uh, a little weird. Um, but all right, not not too bad. Um, all right. Dan, why don't you go ahead and and plug everything that you guys do? Really hold on, appreciate hold on. you jumping before on. We, before we do that, I do yeah. want to ask because I'm I'm actually seriously genuinely curious, and I didn't ask this when we were messaging. Um, how actually did you become an Atalanta fan? Oh, the origin story. It's um, it's not uh, <laughs> it's not it's not that interesting because I was born into it. My father is Bergamasco, so I mean, technically, okay. you have uh, you always have a choice. Uh, I like to say I didn't. Um, so I, I, I grew up uh, an Atalantino. So long suffering. I remember, you know, I'm an elder millennial. So I remember when we were in Serie C as a child. So um, yeah, it's it's always been Atalanta for me. Um, Atalanta number one always. Uh, it's in my blood, literally uh, in my blood. Um, it's not always the case. Um, I, I always want to say this, you know, a lot is talked about Atalanta and Bergamo and Bergamo and Atalanta. That is especially true for people who live in the city. My dad is from Bergamo province outside of the city. He's actually from near Albino, where Albino Lefe is from. So technically that would be like the home thing. But a lot of uh, Bergamaschi from outside of, of this city support Milan, support Inter. So it's not, very, it's not super common um, that a person like my dad and my, and my family was such a, such a huge Atalanta fan. And he was. He, he was, um, you know, and so that's what was instilled in me. So there was no choice. Um, so I've been on cloud nine the last seven years with Gasparini. Um, you know, I tell my mom when she <laughs> asked me if I go to church on Sunday, I say, yeah, I, I go to the, the church of Ladea. Uh, and Gasparini is his uh, prophet. <laughs> is her prophet. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I am a fan of uh, the way that Atalanta plays in some of my pre-match research. There's a lot of similarities um, to how Atalanta and Inter stack up just in terms of of some of the numbers defensively um, and also just the style of play as well from their you know, progression in terms of the carries and, and the passes. There's a lot of similarities. There obviously is, you know, differences, but um, I'm a fan of Atalanta for their tactical flexibility. I love, you know, the fact that you can go from a 3-4-3, 3-4-2-1, 3-4-1-2 and just sort of mix up the skill position players up top. Um, but also, you know, you guys are coming into a period where I think Hatabor, Deron, those contracts are 
are going to be up soon and you have to refresh the uh, the squad. It's nice that Coop Miners, you know, uh, renewed his contract. So maybe you'll be in for a big fee for him this summer. Um, but looks like the squad is going to is going to have a refresh soon. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how Gosp handles that moving forward. Well, you nobody guys- refreshes better, really, than Atalanta, though. Like, honestly, like it's it's incredible the way you guys are able to find and scout talent and and make massive, massive profits. Like, holy cow. Like, I mean, I mean look, just look at Hoyland last year. You know, like, I, I liked him as a player. I didn't think he was worth that much, but you guys are able to get it. I mean, uh, and, and we see now, like, he hasn't even scored once in the league for, for Manchester United. And, you know, the, the pressure is mounting. They keep bringing it up every time, uh, you know, they play. So... Listen, to, to be able to, to make capital gains the way you guys do is, is incredible. And then to, to replenish the ranks over and over again and finding these gems left and right, whether it's Agosins, Castagna, like, I mean, granted, like, they didn't go on to have massive careers, but you were able to make money off them either way. So that's, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. And I you'll mean, have Skamaka and, um, you'll have Skamaka and El Bilal Torre next year up top, which is going to be one of the scarier. Yeah. Uh, front two in the league. Um, so yeah, big things for Atalanta. Hopefully soon, and you know, hopefully Inter uh, has even bigger things going on. <laughs> um, all right, uh, go ahead and, and plug your your stuff here. Really appreciate you uh, you jumping on. Yeah, sure. Um, you can listen to all my rants and ravings on the Atalanta Pod, uh, which you can follow on Twitter at Atalanta Pod. Uh, I do it with my buddy Nick, who you can find at Atalanta Passion. And he's got a great blog at atalantapassione.com. I think as it stands, we're, we're still the only English language Atalanta podcast. Um, it's been going. We're on season six uh, at this point. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you want to know more about Atalanta, hear about it, uh, listen to, I think, two very uh, level-headed Atalanta fans. Um, and uh, with, from my perspective, somebody who's seen uh, the highs and the lows. Um, it's an interesting club. Um, I, I think it's no, they're no longer the, the Cinderella story of Serie A. They're no longer the hipster picks. Um, but if you're getting into culture or want to know more about a team, about the Atalanta pods, where you want to go, um, I think we have interesting things to say. And uh, it, it's usually pretty entertaining, I have to say. Appreciate it. Um, we'll be, we'll be uh, having our guys follow that for sure. All right, everyone. Episode 50. In the books, here's to many, many more. Johnny, anything else for you before we jump off here? No, man. Uh, yeah, appreciate you coming on, Dan. I really, uh, really enjoyed your insight and everything. So, yeah, like everyone, uh, check out the Atalanta pod. Uh, listen to a few episodes. Great stuff. I mean, they do have great insight. And obviously to hear about have English speakers talk about a club that doesn't get the coverage that obviously the big four or, you know, typically do, it's, it's, it's refreshing. So, Give them a shout. Um, but yeah, 50 episodes down. 550 more to go minimum, right? How oh, goody. <laughs> hopefully. 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 <laughs> and for the 50th time, in the words of the great Roberto Scarpini, Forza Ragazzi, Forza Ragazzi, Forza Ragazzi. Forza Ragazzi.